Welcome to another episode of Conduct Detrimental. I am Dan Lust, joined this week by friend of the show, John Nucci, recent graduate of Penn State Law and golf law aficionado. What's up, John? Hey, Dan. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Of course. So what we're going to do this episode is a special one. So listeners of the show will know we mainly cover football, baseball, basketball. We cover the main sports. But when we tell you guys there's a story worth paying attention to another sport, you know, usually we're on point. You know, I remember, John, an episode that you remember very fondly was our Super League Symposium episode. We did a deep dive into soccer. This is a rarity for Conic Detrimental. We are only covering one topic, and it happens to be one that is not football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. It is golf. So unless you're living under a rock, and I pulled my casual golf friends, everyone seems to be aware. They kept saying, Dan, you got to cover this. And you know what? We did. We called in the experts. We're going to have Sean Crew over at Northwest Golf Show with Seattle Sports, uh, ESPN Radio Seattle. Spoke to Sean once upon a time. She's their golf correspondent there. She hosts her own golf show. She's going to join John and I for a conversation about uh, what's going on. Again, I guess it's the PGA Tour versus Live Golf. It's a, an entity formed out of Saudi Arabia. There's Saudi Arabia money backing it, but it's our first kind of competing league that really stands to challenge the incumbent. So you could talk about the XFL. They're not challenging the, the NFL anytime soon, right? You could talk about the American Basketball Association back in the day, or even like, you know, the big three, they're not challenging the NBA. But this is our first league in, in many years, maybe since the USFL or the WHA in hockey, that are really challenging the incumbent sport. So you have a, John, what do we want to call it? Live Golf Association? We're just calling it Live. I guess Live Golf. Live Golf works. So, yeah, I mean, this is what we're going to spend the whole episode talking about. We're hearing lots of money being thrown around. Phil Mickelson going to get $200 million. Dustin Johnson going to get $125 million. But all in this, John, is the backdrop that you spoke about in our last episode. The PGA had been giving kind of these veiled threats that any golfer that associated with this league risked being disassociated with the PGA Tour. So, John, why don't you paint the scene for our, our listeners before we kick it over to Sean? It's been happening for, for quite a while now. The PGA has, as you mentioned, thrown out some threats ranging from fines to suspensions to lifetime bans. Obviously, that kind of perks our ears up when we hear things like lifetime bans because the question becomes, is that legal or not? The PGA has not officially made a response. As of right now, the first event is scheduled to kick off in two days in London. So it kind of remains to be seen how the PGA themselves, or the PGA Tour, I should say, they're separate from the the PGA, but how the PGA Tour will respond. It just came out today that the USGA did say that live players who are already qualified for the US Open will be able to compete at the country club US Open next week. So that was kind of the the one of the first stones is how how would the majors react? Because as you know, the, the majors are kind of separate from the PGA Tour. So the majors are not operated by the PGA Tour. And I think a lot of players, if they're able to move over to live and defect and maybe make some money and still play in the majors. And I think that adds a whole different dynamic to this. But if the majors start, you know, excluding these guys one by one, then that might have a whole different set of consequences, especially on the antitrust side. So names that maybe our, our casual golf fans will know, right? Graham McDowell is a fairly big name. Louis Oosthuizen, you know, Kevin Na. Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Dustin Johnson, and Phil Mickelson. And again, we kind of alluded to it, but the numbers being reported out there, you call them rumors, whatever you want to call them. Phil Mickelson is supposed to get $200 million, and then Dustin Johnson, $125 million. And we're going to go over those numbers with Sean. A little bit of the uh, the rumors as to what Tiger may have been offered to join. Uh, you can imagine if 
200 million is being offered to fill. Tiger is going to get substantially more than that. But yeah, so listen, there's a lot of money being thrown around. I don't think the question, and maybe we'll, we'll grapple with this, but why golfers are hesitant to join. Certainly it's not the money. It is the optics. And we'll see. And we'll see maybe the ramifications of being not allowed to play in certain events. And certainly if that happens, John, we're going to have you back on, Sean back on, and maybe even do another symposium like we did once upon a time for the Super League to really figure out the golf ramifications here. But, you know, rest assured, right, there are lawyers looking very closely at this from, from all sides. And remember, Jack Nicholas was once thought to be uh, maybe part of this venture. He was involved in a separate lawsuit that we didn't we didn't cover between the, you know, his own foundation set a story for another time. But yeah, this issue certainly ripe with legal issues and maybe at the heart of this too, is that PGA golfers are not members of any type of union. So the question as to whether or not someone can be a part of two sports leagues simultaneously, I don't know, as an independent contractor, maybe you should be allowed to. Certainly as an NBA basketball player, you can't compete in two leagues at the same time. But if you're an independent contractor, that's the whole point. You're supposed to be able to choose your employer. So yeah, I don't know, John, any, anything that we're missing before we kick it over to our conversation with Sean? No, I mean, I think you're you're absolutely right. These golfers are uh, independent contractors, so there's no union representing them. They can kind of uh, do as they wish. However, they do agree to abide by the PGA Tour rules and handbook, which is kind of where the authority that at least the, the PGA Tour and their governing board is getting their threats from. So they're granted a certain number of players were granted a certain number of releases each year. They can play in a certain number of conflicting tournaments, but They've kind of drawn a line in the sand when it comes to live and said, if, if you're either you're, you're in or out. Listen, we, we're going to follow it closely. This is one of these episodes where we're telling you the legal issues are, are very pervasive. Maybe the story in our conversation with Sean is, is set in the stage. Maybe at some point that'll be the facts presented in a hypothetical uh, article, John, that, uh, that you might write for our site. You uh, are one of our more popular residents site. So, John, I think that sets the stage appropriately. And with that said, Sean Crew, I met Sean about a year ago when we were doing some NIL stuff. She asked me dig into the NIL on the golf side, which we did. We had a really good conversation. And since then, you know, I've been following Sean's insights on really all things golf. And I looked, I woke up this morning, a lot of my, you know, casual golf fans were saying, are you guys going to cover this on Conduct Detrimental? And I'm like, you know what? It sounds like uh, about time. So, you know, I reached out to Sean and she was ready to go. So again, Sean is the creator and host of the Northwest Golf Show for ESPN Radio Seattle. And she's a great follow on social media. You can find her at Sean Crew, S-H-O-N-C-R-E. E-W-E. With that said, let's kick it over to our conversation with Sean Crew. Sean, welcome to Conduct Detrimental. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you, Dan? I'm good. So we, we have a, uh, a golf-specific episode today. So I was wrapping my head around who potentially could be a guest for this. And I remembered once upon a time, you and I were talking golf and I own. I'm like, we check out Sean's feed and then I see that that's all you're tweeting about. So <laughs> that's all I'm talking about. Well, it's, it's, it's a big story, big enough that it is making, you know, I, Usually the Masters is going to be a front page sports story and, you know, all the, all the big majors. But this is a story that is not just percolating sports, it's percolating uh, the legal field as well. So we thought it important enough to dedicate a full episode to this. So we've, we've got John here, our resident PGA and golf expert to help break it down. But Sean, the, the floor is yours. What should our listeners know right off the bat about this uh, mega dispute that might be trending its way towards a mega legal dispute? Well, you know, I mean, this is... I think this is something that's been brewing for a while now, a few years at least. And, you know, one of the things I think from a, the business side of things is you can never get too comfortable with what you're doing. And this model that the PGA Tour, I mean, it's been around for many years. It was a spinoff of the PGA of America. And, you know, I think that you've got players who are looking at opportunities and saying, hey, what else could we be doing? It was a 
only a matter of time before someone else was going to come in and you know try to, to see what they could figure out. We've known that, that this may have happened. Uh, I think we were initially looking at the Premier Golf League was the uh, initial league that was looking to come in, but the Saudis were able to to launch Live Golf, which officially kicks off this week. And you know, again, not a surprise. I think that it's maybe a little more surprise that the players, some of the players that are coming on board. But no, I think this was always a it's just going to be a matter of time. I guess on that, and then we'll kind of get to the substance. The list of players, I think, was the surprising thing because we've we've known for some time they were throwing money around, and I think it's not a surprise to anyone that it's you know Saudi Arabia has a lot of money. But I think the actual roster they put together, I mean, it surprised me. Uh, I think the biggest name on that list is probably Dustin Johnson. Now we see Phil Mickelson involved. And then the other names on the list are, are names that people are familiar with, maybe not like, I don't, I don't want to say like top tier guys, but names that the golf world is very familiar with. So they've managed to put together a fairly competitive roster. So maybe, Sean, you could speak to the type of players they're targeting and maybe the compensation that is rumored to be heading towards uh, Mickelson and DJ. Yeah, well, I think Mickelson, we've known, he hinted, uh, what was it, back in February, that he wasn't really happy with the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, he made some comments that, uh, you know, basically saying that there was obnoxious greed and he really didn't like the lack of media rights. So we had a feeling that Mickelson was going to be someone that may potentially be making a move. Um, and sure enough, he did. And, you know, what was interesting about him is that usually someone who's talking out of both sides is trying to play up both angles. In his case, he put his foot in his mouth, I think, on both sides with the Saudis and PGA Tour. And with that, ended up having to take a step back. So we didn't hear anything from him for four months. And then yesterday, he finally put out a statement, basically, uh, you know, first addressing that he took the time off to work on being a better version of himself. And then he talked about coming back to golf, being ready, and taking advantage of this new path and this fresh start with Live Golf. Interestingly enough, you know, I think he's their big money maker at this point. It looks like it's about two hundred million dollars that they've offered him. And this is again just the contract to get players participating. There's actually money, extra money involved in how they perform within these events. But you know, when you look at a guy like Phil Mickelson, fifty-seven professional wins, six majors, he's a big ticket guy. That being said, you know, he is a little bit older, and uh, you know, so maybe not. A total surprise that someone like him where the next best phase for him might be looking at, say, the PGA Tour champions. Could this be an interesting, compelling reason when you've got the money and maybe an opportunity at something new and exciting? I get that. Uh, but I think Dustin Johnson was probably the one that everybody was most surprised by. And, and probably because he is a little younger still, 37 years old. Uh, he's doing well enough. I mean, he's a guy who's had... 28 professional wins, uh, won two majors. He's someone that, I, you know, I think it, my take on him is that at this point in his career, I think he's looking at the opportunities where he can uh, compete with the big stuff. So the majors, which right now, PGA Tour doesn't have any involvement with the four majors. So whatever he does with Liv, he's still got the door uh, open for the majors. And then I think the money, I mean, he's a past FedEx Cup champion. $15 million he's made in, uh, you know, in 2020 just for winning the FedEx Cup. So I think this idea of more money was compelling. 
he's probably the biggest surprise. And then you've got a lot of other guys who just, I think you're probably, <laughs> I don't want to say it's the 40 something year old player that may be looking at, you know, what else can he be doing? And this may be a new way to go. But after that, I mean, I think those are the two big names. And Dustin, by the way, I think his offering was about 125 million. So this is not small change. You're absolutely right. That is kind of the profile. DJ was certainly surprising, especially after he released a statement and goes back in February. That was pretty, themed pretty unequivocally uh, in support of the PGA Tour, although I think there was some speculation at that point that maybe he didn't really he didn't really write that. But the profile of golfer in this league is, as you mentioned, kind of older, towards the end of their career, maybe hasn't been extremely competitive on the PGA Tour lately, and they're taking the money, you know, because it's maybe their last big opportunity to make that money, and that makes total sense. There are a couple of other surprising ones. I mean, the U.S. Amateur Champion, James Piatt. Piatt, I don't know how to exactly pronounce his last name, but he also signed up. I thought that was a pretty fairly risky career move, given that the PGA Tour has obviously stated how they might respond to it. So for the U.S. Amateur Champion to sign up to, that was pretty surprising to me. Money talks, so is it that surprising at a certain point, right? Well, no, and Jonathan, I mean, that's a good point, especially these younger players. I mean, you look at someone like Taylor Gooch, who's also, I mean, he's 30, but still young enough that you think, okay, you're playing well enough. You might have some more opportunities in front of you taking uh, this risk where you're going down a path that really has you know basically no footprint you don't know what it's going to look like I think it is a risky move for for a younger player especially with a lot of opportunity so I, you know the only thing I can think of is that yeah the money is the draw the other thing too which we were kind of alluding to right if, if a guy like Mickelson is going to get reported like 200 million and DJ is going to get 125 million God only knows what someone like Tiger Woods would got is there any numbers out there being floated what Tiger would have gotten or might still get I have no idea I mean it's a small one but you know close to a billion one billion dollars. <laughs> that sounds like it sounds like we're doing a Doctor Evil promo right now. Like that's, <laughs> that's 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 just funny money. I mean, but the truth is, right? Like if Dustin Johnson's going to get 125 and Phil's going to get 200, like I don't know, use normal economics. Like I guess maybe that that makes sense. Yeah, do the math. Of course, it's going to get you to about a billion. But I mean, what does that say then that he turned it down? That he said, you know, no thanks to this. Um, I, I think that's uh, that's more compelling. It, it, it kind of shows that. He's definitely, I mean, at this point, we, I mean, look, he had this amazing comeback after that big accident last year. And, uh, you know, obviously just reported today that he's not going to be playing in the U.S. Open next week. But he is someone who I think is, if he can continue to build his legacy, I mean, and he has on the PGA Tour, why not? But like I said, I think it says a lot that he uh, decided to turn that money down. You also mentioned legacy. I think Tiger, at least more than certainly more than DJ, is motivated by legacy quite a bit more. Uh, DJ has always been kind of a kind of a go with the flow, you know, do whatever. I mean, I remember last year they were asking him about his putter. He was like, I have no idea what this is. It's just a putter they give it to me. So I, I think more than the others, Tiger is very motivated by legacy more than the others. So uh, he's also made boatloads of money and endorsements outside of the, you know, his tournament earnings. Although the, what, what DJ is reported to have earned is more than Tiger has earned in his entire career on the course. So. Well, and I was going to ask you, I don't know what you guys think about this too, but I, you know, there was certainly this curiosity of, well, let's say with Phil, for example, because people have wondered, you know, has he kind of uh, shot himself in the foot with his legacy? I've wondered how many people think that there's an opportunity to build a new legacy with the Live Golf Tour, as opposed to it just being about money. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on that, but that was something that I had thought about too. It's interesting. I mean, I guess at a certain point too, we should hit on this. Like, 
certain golfers are losing marketing and sponsorship deals, right? Phil's lost a handful and Dustin's losing some, but at the end of the day, like what are sponsorship dollars worth? If you're getting paid, you know, exponentially more at the end of the day, like if it's going to hit your bank account, it doesn't really matter if it's coming from the sponsorship or it's coming from your, your actual employer, but maybe that's it. I, I think, you know, what are, what are the golfers playing for? They're playing for championships. They're playing for pride. If you're not able to compete for the, you know, the masters or any type of majors and you could win a different event, maybe it's, you know, I, I don't think at this point we could say that the, you know, the live, uh, you know, the event that's going on in London next week is a like, you know, Mickey Mouse event. They're still going to be professional golfers that have won major championships at a really high level. And let's just call a spade a spade that are getting paid more, you know, at the same, if not more than the PGA Tour event. So what defines an event as being like the, the pros, right? I think compensation to some extent. So maybe people are trying to develop a, a new legacy. I certainly could see that. But at the end of the day, right, I think this is seems the optics that this is a pure money grab. And that's what maybe the league has to do to get off the ground a new, you know, upstart like that, like we saw back in the day with you know, the USFL, you know, trying to compete with the NFL, they had to give a lot more money. Same with the American Basketball Association. So for those listeners that are like, this is unprecedented that another league is coming in and trying to compete with the PGA. It's not, it's happened before. And it usually happens with an entity throwing around more money. It's just rarely a league backed by a country that wants to throw around you know, FU money, so to speak. And that's, I, I don't, I don't recall anything like that ever happening. I'll just add to this. I mean, look, it, it's one thing. And, and, and I had heard Mike Juan, who's the CEO of the USGA talking this morning. He actually said something that I had been thinking about for a while. And that is, you know, it's one thing to kick something off and declare what you want something to be. It's another thing to actually execute it. I mean, this is a business model. And while there is a lot of money that they're throwing out there, you know, as, as Juan said today, it's one thing to launch a business. It's another thing to build a business that works for the long run. So I think one of the things we're going to need to pay attention to and, and see is how are they building this to make it exciting? I mean, you know, if you remember last year, early on in the pandemic, I can't remember. I think it was DJ and Ricky. I can't remember the tournament. I, I watch way too much golf, but when they were covering it, it was a, just a, a friendly event. And I remember thinking, this is the most boring golf event I've ever watched. And, uh, and part of it is understanding, you know, the production value and being able to bring kind of the entertainment aspect of what you're watching uh, on top of it all. Fine. You've got money to throw at this, but at some point, People who are throwing money at this want to see that they're making money. And and that's where, you know, traditionally sponsors have been a part of that. So it'll be interesting to see how they build this and actually make this a business beyond what we're hearing about today. Yeah. And that statement earlier today, the one you're referring to, I believe you, this is where they were kind of announcing that at least for this 2022 U.S. Open that uh, live golfers that were already qualified will be able to play. What are your thoughts on that? It seems like they were very careful to specify that it's this year and that a golfers that, that were already qualified are in. It seems like the door may be open for changes next year and beyond. But I mean, some of these guys, Phil, DJ, are going to be are going to be exempt for a little while regardless. So just curious what you, what you think about that. Well, you know, and, and I don't know if you guys recall this, but last last year what had happened as they were starting to hear, you know, the, the rumblings and and this was really picking up more momentum. What you what you saw was basically the um, the PGA Tour and the USGA and the RNA, uh, who's the governing body uh, in Europe, basically coming together and saying uh, we're going to try to kind of form a band together a little bit better. And they had not traditionally done that as well. I'm not saying that. 
USGA and I think the PGA Tour have always been fairly good about it, but bringing RNA in, to me that says that they're trying to be more mindful and strategic, especially around these majors. Again, the PGA Tour doesn't run any of the majors. You've got Augusta National membership, they run the, the Masters. You've got the USGA running the US Open. You've got the RNA running Open Championship, and you've got the PGA of America running the PGA Championship. The PGA Tour has the fifth major, if you know, the unofficial fifth major, if you've got, if you want to consider that with the players. But ultimately, the best way the tour can kind of protect their influence within the majors is to band with these organizations that have influence uh, on the majors. So my thought is that those conversations and those relationships are growing stronger. So, so perhaps there will be some change or something to be considering different for next season. I guess we're going to have to watch it, Sean. We might have to have you back on as we monitor this. But, you know, as lawyers, we are continuing to watch what the PGA response here, as John mentioned. You know, the Open maybe uh, avoids one battle, but we'll see uh, what the, the fight is moving forward. Sean, we really appreciate you joining us. Anything um, that we should know? Uh, any, any parting thoughts on the way out? No, I mean, like I said, I think it's uh, it'll be interesting to see this first event, how it kicks off. I, I don't know if you guys caught the press conference, but it sounds like there was already some drama with that. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, AP reporters uh, was trying to ask some questions and uh, while it was wrapping up, and I guess he got escorted out. So in true Saudi form, it sounds like they're, they're keeping things exciting. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Other than that, you know, uh, I, I guess we'll have to just wait and see what the rest of the week looks like. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me. So again, that was Sean Crew, the creator and host of the Northwest Golf Show over for ESPN Radio Seattle. So, John, I really think the interesting part here, right, is that we don't know what the next chapter is going to look like. Certainly, we talked about what the U.S. Open is planning to do for their next event, but that doesn't speak to any other majors that we're looking at, right? And we're in the middle of the golf calendar over here. We're just about to hit the heart of summer, so there's a number of events that are going to pop up. I don't know, John, any, anything that we we should be paying attention to as lawyers, sports fans on the golf front? First and foremost, how the PGA Tour itself is going to respond. That's going to kind of set the stage for almost everything else. But the other thing is the the other majors, uh, the other governing bodies. So Augusta National uh, Masters is until April of next year. So they have some time to see how this plays out. My guess is they'll sit on the sidelines a little bit and see how things shake out over the next couple months. The RNA, who runs the Open Championship or the British Open, they have also yet to kind of make any statements as to where they stand. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see how all these majors respond and how the PGA Tour itself responds. I know was, a lot of sponsors have already responded. RBC pulled their sponsorship of Dustin Johnson, which coincidentally, their RBC Canadian Open is the same weekend as the inaugural live event. So RBC was one of DJ's longest sponsors. So that was a little bit of a slap in the face. But yeah, so I, I guess on the antitrust side, we're going to wait to see what the PGA Tour says. And we're going to wait to see what all of the other major governing bodies say before we can see exactly how this is going to unfold. Well, it goes attention to it. Again, we're just here reporting the story. We are not trying to take you know any type of legal position in this, but we're obviously going to keep, a, keep an eye on it. And you know, even when the PGA Tour decides to make a, a firm position one way or the other, yeah, certainly you'll be hearing from us again. So, John, listen, you you joined us today. I, I told you that we had a golf episode planned and you dropped everything that you were doing. But, John, why don't you uh, fill everybody in? I, I feel like you're in the middle of doing something pretty big right now. Yes, I'm in the middle of the wonderful world of bar prep with Themis Bar Review. Oh, wait. Did you say Themis Bar Review? The sponsor I did say Themis. 
I did say Themis, the, the number one bar prep company on the market. I'm in the middle of secured transactions, which for any listeners out there uh, that have not gone to law school, I highly recommend you learn all about secured transactions because it's some of the most thrilling stuff you'll ever learn in your life, being as sarcastic as I possibly can. But it's fun when it's Themis, though. I mean, it's, that's- yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's you great. Imagine if you were taking that with a, the hypothetical other bar company who we are contractually obligated not to mention, that would be that would be terrible. It, w- it would make life a lot worse. That's for and sure. And that's that's assuming that uh, the system didn't glitch out on you and kick you out of bar prep for that day. Not to mention any company that we can't name. Allegedly, hypothetically. Hypothetically, allegedly, that we're being uh, tagged on Twitter for not doing uh, the best things and asking if they could switch the theme. On day one of bar review, I'm, I understand. This is certainly uh, allegedly, hypothetically, reportedly, but I did see those tweets. So uh, those are a public record. So I can see them. <laughs> So, John, in addition, we, you know, you posted about it online, but we sent you to commemorate all your, your hard work for our show. We sent you over a nice uh, shirt, Conic Detrimental shirt. So, so that nice picture, you posing with Themis, Conic Detrimental, you made us look pretty good in Themis circles, but uh, we certainly appreciate all your hard work. Some of the articles you wrote for us have been uh, some of the most, I don't know, I'll uh, be a little transparent, but it's the, some of the most well-read articles we've had on our site. You covered McGregor, you covered uh, BGA. So, you know, listen, you, if other people want to get involved and be the next John Nucci, John Nucci's graduating, he's going into practice. We don't know if his law firm's going to be as kind to allowing him to do all this stuff. But uh, listen, it's a good, good way to get your name out. And John, you've certainly been a pretty good example of that, pretty good uh, shepherd leading the charge over here. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I'd like to take advantage of my NIL opportunities with the Conduct Detrimental shirt and the Themis review post, but hope to maintain my appearances here. Maintain your eligibility. Uh, unlike uh, what yeah. we're not sure it's going to happen with the PGA front. That's a good way right. to As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. If maybe golf is not your flavor, we appreciate you sticking with us this whole episode. This is a pretty golf-heavy episode. I, John, actually, let me, let me ask, before we talk about uh, Underdog Fantasy, what do you think my golf handicap is if you just had to take a guess? Just looking at me, just eyeballing me. I mean, you're an athlete, so that's the most important. I think you're an athlete. That's the most important thing. When, when I, when I'm, of an athlete. when I'm overthinking my golf swing constantly, I try to remind myself you're, you're an athlete. Just hit the ball. I'm going to give you a 17. Yeah, a little too gracious. I'm closer to 20, but I'm, I'm pretty competitive. I'm, I'm the type of guy I'll hit a big drive. I'll hit a big iron and people are like your handicap's not 20. That's BS. And then I'll shank one in the woods and I'm like, Oh, there he is. There's the guy. But yeah. Uh, I am uh, a big I play golf with my dad pretty regularly. So, uh, watch the sports very closely and especially, uh, you know, as now as a dad, father of two, it's pretty fun watching the masters. So there's something that, that feels special, all the history and, and whatnot. So, yeah. So again, if not, I'm sure a lot of our listeners play golf, maybe they don't follow it, but if you are not necessarily watching golf, you want to bet on the traditional sports, you want to play some daily fantasy or season long fantasy, do it at underdog fantasy basketball. We're in the midst of the NBA finals right now. They have a lot of tournaments running hockey, our New York Rangers, Team of the kind of detrimental podcast. John's got the hat on. He's showing it for our our, our listeners. Brave, breaking, heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss. Uh, game three. But we'll see. I, I still have hope. So, congrats to the Rangers. Congrats to the Warriors, the Celtics. Congrats to the Colorado Avalanche. Not congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I hope they get the opposite of congrats. I hope they get hexed and cursed. Okay, underdog fantasy. Our promo code is conduct over there. Again, a hundred dollar match bonus. We don't just say. Underdog Fantasy, we want you guys to use them. They are a friend of the show, so you guys support them. John, I think we're good. Anything anything that we did not hit upon? No, I don't think so. I'm just uh, kind of excited to see how this plays out. Uh, I thought the PGA might respond immediately, but they haven't yet. So I guess they're keeping us on our toes, and, and we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, the, the one that we're going to pay attention to, and Dan Wallach's going to join us for our next episode. Obviously, we saw the reports on the Deshaun Watson 24th civil complaint filed with some new allegations. And I will say, if you just read the reporting, it looks as if these particular allegations were not, put it this way, I don't I don't think the, the crack team, Rusty Harden, was ready for these particular allegations. They're usually ready to go with every any type of response. They have everything ready. These are not new. We've known about this for a while. A little bit of, you know, cat cut your tongue. They weren't saying anything. And then this is obviously coming off of last week with Rusty Harden with some really ill-advised comments. If anyone was following us on social media, we tried to hit them and explain the significance. But these are these comments, the quote unquote, happy ending comment, which, you know, we were on the show a week ago. And I'm not, I don't want to bury this all because Wallach's going to talk about this all when we're on next time. But we spent a lot of time on this podcast last week talking about how good Rusty Harden was doing with the media. You know, I listened to his interview on uh, with Gabe Feldman, friend of the show. And I was really impressed at how Harden was kind of explaining how they've kind of you know, kind of tricked Tony Busby into filing, you know, these criminal complaints, which launched, you know, the grand jury proceedings. And then, you know, there's a risk when you talk to the media this often that you might trip up and say the wrong thing. So all that positive momentum went complete about face, a complete 180. And now Rusty Harden, the, the lawyer, and he's been in a lot of these high profile cases, he's faced with this unique scenario where it looks like the lawyer messed up the case. And Tony Busby is now put on record. He's saying that he's going to use these happy endings, these Hey, it's not illegal if you make someone uncomfortable comments. He's going to use that against Deshaun Watson, which, listen, he, he, I, I don't know. I, I never would have said the term happy endings on social media. Even, even now, I'm, I'm, I'm like half joking, but it makes me uncomfortable to say it now in radio in interviews. And he said it very tongue in cheek, almost colloquially. And I, I thought it was, you know, for lack of a better term, just incredibly inappropriate for this type of case to say it. You could say some forms of massage can be consensual if you pay extra compensation for it, but he went. He went there, right? He said the quiet part out loud, and then he tried to walk it back and say it was a hypothetical, which I, I guess you were just hypothetically saying in an appropriate term on air because it had no relevance. So I don't know, John, I'll give you the floor. What are you, any, any thoughts on this? I know I didn't, we, you and I didn't prep this, but it's interesting. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think not only did he say he was going to use it against them, I think he already did. Uh, they referenced them in the filings, the, the, the most recent ones, at least. They referenced that quote directly. So yeah, it was certainly a big trip up kind of one that that really as you mentioned just stalls the momentum that they had so yeah pretty pretty bad pretty bad blunder there certainly an interesting topic john thank you so much for continuing to follow the story keeping us surprised of it in the show and good luck with bar prep my friend and uh go themes themes top bar prep company in the galaxy thank you very much okay uh, and with that said we'll see everyone next time on another episode kind of get your mental